0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday, February 20th, 2023, and I'm coming to you live from Spotswood. It's 7 a.m. I have new internet service, altogether new. If it doesn't work, oh, I'll be heartbroken. So we'll... Kevin Phillips, one of our deacons who came over here and helped. uh, Well, he didn't help. He actually put the stuff in and ran the wire and all that kind of stuff and nearly killed himself on this uh, metal roof on an extremely windy day. I think it's working. We'll see. Anyway, um, if nothing else, it's much cheaper than the last Internet service. And if this doesn't work and that didn't work, then, hey, at least it's cheaper. Um, Anyway. I'm excited to be back with y'all today as we continue along in this new series that we started last week on the book of Acts. Why the book of Acts? Well, it only makes sense, doesn't it? We just finished John. Jesus just ascended back into heaven after sending his disciples out, who in fact are apostles. This is when we start using the term apostles. Previously disciples, now apostles. We'll talk about what an apostle is in just a few minutes. But nevertheless... That's what we come to today. We're looking at the Acts of the Apostles. There are those that would say that this should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, that, you know, we could go back and forth. But the name Acts, as in things that were done, the acts that took place, is a very good name for this book. Right? We talked last week about who wrote it, Luke, who he wrote it to, Theophilus, the purpose of it, all that kind of stuff. So if you weren't here with us last week, we actually weren't here at all on Monday. We started Tuesday. Go back and watch those devotionals. And as always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate let me know. But um, where we are picking up today is in verse 12, where we left things off was this, this wonderful, amazing account of Jesus ascending back into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 10 says, "...they were looking up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky?" The same Jesus who has been taken away from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. In other words, two men show up, probably angels, dressed in white and say, what what are you doing? (laughs) Okay, he's gone. He's going to come back. But now it's time for you to do all the things he told you to do. And then the book of Acts unfolds before us. But there's some business to be taken care of first before they even begin. All right. And that business is what we will pick up with today. And it is very pertinent. It's very pertinent to us, but let's pray and then we'll dig in. Our Father, as we come to your word now, we pray that you would guide us, that you would direct us, that we would see what you would have us to see, not only in terms of the context, not only in terms of of content of what happened in Acts, but also in how this might be applied to some of the things that we face. Um, For we see some of the terms being kicked around today that were used then, and it's not really right. And anyway, Father, help us to understand. Help us to see why words are important, because they are linked to concepts. They are linked to teaching. And let us see the faithfulness of you to your people, the faithfulness of your word, as we seek your face this morning. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so... What I said before I prayed was, we've got some business that we got to deal with, or they have some business they've got to deal with before the apostles proceed with the work that Jesus had called them to do. And that's that's not exactly fair. This is part of the work that he called them to do. But nevertheless, remember also that they had been sent to Jerusalem, right? The Lord told them to go to Jerusalem. So chapter 1, verse 12, where we pick up today, it says, then they returned to Jerusalem, Okay, <laughs> they're obedient. They did what Jesus told them. Verse 12, then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath's day walk from the city. So you're not talking about a crazy long distance. In fact, that term Sabbath's day walk had to do with a limited distance. But nevertheless, um, so they go to Jerusalem. Verse 13, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. You know, it's fascinating, That, that you have these upper room experiences. Remember the last time they went to the upper room? It was the Last Supper, right? Jesus would wash their feet, all of these different things. You see interesting things when the apostles go to a private room, right? But nevertheless, they go upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present, now we get the list, okay? Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, son of uh, Simon, excuse me, and Simon the zealot, and Judas, son of James. All right, that's 11. And realize there were two Judases, okay? You had Judas Iscariot, the betrayer of Christ, and then you had Judas, son of James. All right, so 11, not the 12. Verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Pause for a second. Whose brothers? Well, Jesus's brothers, right? That would have been James as well, right? All right, so nevertheless, um, James, the brother of Jesus. Um, y'all, we have a pattern that's being revealed here. And side note for us, not only are we observing the formation of the. Apostles in their work, we see that what's uniting these men together, these people together as the followers of Christ, is not only what they have experienced, but prayer. Yes, prayer. Prayer is a concerted effort, unites God's people together. Now, I'm not one of these guys that draws a direct correlation between vanishing prayer meetings and the nation's degradation or anything like that. But there is something to it. You know, if you want to unite a group of people together, it's not going to be over frills. It's not going to be over uh, worldly pursuits. If you really want to unite a people together, have them praying together. So anyway, and no, that doesn't just mean attending prayer meeting. That means praying, actually doing the act of prayer. All right, and it's fascinating who is mentioned here. They all joined together constantly. This means that they were praying together a lot. Doesn't say what they were praying for, but the eleven were praying together constantly, along with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, that's fascinating because maybe you recall that early on in Jesus' ministry, you see Mary, Jesus' mother, and Jesus' brothers show up. But it's because they thought Jesus had lost his mind, right? They're going to get him because he's embarrassing the family. Go back and look it up. But here we see that they have definitely come to faith. We know that James has come to faith because we have James's epistle and all this kind of stuff. But nevertheless, you have this constant commitment. Now, let's get down to business. Verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the Scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus? He was one of our numbers and shared in this ministry. Now, there's a couple of things, pause right there. There's a couple of things that I want to point out. First, this is where Peter seems to emerge as not the leader of the apostles, because they all have their own individual callings. This is not a hierarchy. Okay, you know, this whole idea that Peter is the Pope, that's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. It doesn't fit with anything that we see here. doesn't fit with anything that we're going to see in the book of Acts. And most definitely what we see later in the New Testament. But nevertheless, you do have Peter being the one that stands up and speaks. We shouldn't be surprised by that, should we? Wasn't Peter always the one that stood up and spoke? You know, maybe it's his personality. it, It doesn't matter. But Peter was the one that stood up. And also, I want to make note of how many people are left. It's shocking. Really, it is, because when you think about Jesus' earthly ministry, right, one of the things you can't help but think about is the crowds, Right, the triumphal entry. Jesus goes in. People are shouting, "Hosanna, Hosanna!" And there's people everywhere, and they're they're laying down their their coats on the street. They're, they've got the palm branches. When Jesus, excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat this morning. When Jesus is going about his earthly ministry, he feeds the 5,000, which was really probably more like 20 or 25,000 because it was only 5,000 men. You have this massive, massive group of people following Jesus. And yet, post-crucifixion, resurrection and ascension, you got about 120 left. That ought to tell us something about the cost of discipleship. It also ought to tell us something about how faith really works. You see, those who had been tagging along obviously did not have real faith because faith perseveres. And those that were tagging along are gone at this point. We're left with about 120 genuine followers of Christ. Now, this is when Peter then, and I guess a third thing, Peter begins to shift here. in in, in the business that's got to be dealt with. He brings up the fact that Judas is now no longer with them. All right? And And you'll note how he referred to Judas. Verse 16, he said, Which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He's not just talking about Judas Iscariot. He, well, he is talking about Judas Iscariot, but he doesn't just mention Judas Iscariot by name. He, re, he remembers, he references what Judas did. And he also references the prophecies concerning Judas. And then he goes on, verse 18, it says, With the reward he got, <clears throat> excuse me, well, I'll read 17 again. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field, in their language, Akeldama, which is field of blood. Now, you'll notice that that's in parenthesis there. This is not Peter saying this. As he's speaking to the 120, as he's speaking to those that were following. Now, uh, scratch that. He's not speaking to the 120, I misspoke. As he's speaking to the 11 or the 10 others, it's just them in the upper room. We're given that note that around 120 were were total in following Christ. Peter is speaking just to the core group there of him and the other 10 remaining disciples who are now apostles. Now, Luke is the one that tells us, should have said this before. In parenthesis before, Luke is giving an author's note here to Theophilus. Remember, y'all, Luke is writing Theophilus to explain the things that took place after Jesus' ascension. Here, in verses 18 and 19, it says, If the scene pulls back from Peter, who is saying this about Judas, talking about the prophecy, and Luke reveals what ended up happening with Judas. And what we find out happened to Judas is not a pleasant thing. The reason I'm bringing this up and the reason I think this follows is Peter makes a note of saying not only Judas Iscariot, but Judas who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus back in verse 16. And now we find out what happened. Luke tells us that Judas, with the pieces of silver that he got in return for betraying Jesus and acting as, his, uh, as their guide to find Jesus, says with the reward he got uh, for his wickedness, you know, again, let's reference what Judas did, as wickedness. Judas bought a field, there he fell headlong, right? Um, what does this mean? Does it mean that he committed suicide? Does it, probably what it means is that he committed suicide, right? He hung himself. He may have hanged there for a few days, not to be gross or graphic or morbid, but y'all know what happens to human bodies when they hang for a while. Um, They get bloated. I mean, you've seen animals that have been hit on the side of the road about to pop. Maybe the rope broke. Y'all, we don't know. And it's not terribly important. But what is important is the scandal of how Judas died, the nastiness that ought to give